life in general, like just everything in general got so much easier. I was just living life on hard mode. I was make everything was so much harder. I was making everything so much harder for myself. Even when I was getting my bachelor's degree, I would always, you know, come home and have a bottle of wine and say, I'm going to stay up and do my homework. And of course, I didn't ever stay up to do my homework. And I would have to end up waking up at five in the morning to try to get my homework done before class. And now I get in grad school, I get my homework done. I'm responding back in discussions. I'm reading everything that I need to read beforehand. Um, my mind is just, I can't believe how much clearer my mind is. Hey, y'all, what's going on? Welcome back to the Stacking Days podcast, where we highlight underrepresented journeys of sobriety from within the BIPOC community. I'm your host, Ray Donovan, and I'm certainly looking forward to our conversation today. Um, we have Stephanie joining us uh, to share her story of struggles and triumphs over alcohol and, you know, for anyone who's listened to any of this show um, in, in past episodes, you'll know that I applaud anyone um, uh, who, you know, kind of faces their own vulnerability because I know firsthand how challenging that can be. So I want to first and foremost commend Stephanie uh, for reaching out to Stacking Days to proactively share her story. Uh, I was very, very happy to see her note hit the inbox. So I feel like we have a lot of similarities in that Stephanie's also a parent. She's had to navigate her personal and professional endeavors while also addressing the role and hold that alcohol has played in her life. So so with that, let's get right into it. Uh, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So let's go back to the beginning here and and you know start this conversation the way I like to start a lot of these conversations in that how did your relationship with with alcohol begin? Let's let's get into into the the roots of it all, and then we'll just have an organic conversation all the way through. Sounds good. Um, I started drinking. Well, I had like my first alcohol experience when I was maybe like sixteen or seventeen. I drank for the first time with my sister and her friend, um, and it was a terrible experience. I I did not have a good time, so I don't know why I ever continued to drink, but. Um, I got very hungover and I, but then I didn't drink after that, you know, I didn't really start drinking, um, like uh, socially or continuously until I got like after, after I was 21, way after I was 21. Um, and it didn't really, I was always, alcohol was kind of always in the background. You know, I'm from a small town in Connecticut, so there isn't much to do out there. So everyone usually is just, you're always drinking before you're 21 for sure. There's always somebody that can get you alcohol or someone's parents that you can steal alcohol from. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's all, there was always a way to get it, but it, it didn't really become an issue until, um, I, until I was 30, until after my, until after I had my son, that's when alcohol really became a problem for me. Mm. So, I mean, that seems like a, a lot of folks that I, that I, that I talked to, and you've probably have heard this as well. I mean, we start drinking at a very young age. Seems mm -hmm. like it didn't become even something that you dabbled in until later in life. Right. What was kind yeah. of the impetus for, for that post, you know, you having your son, what kind of opened the door for you to say like, okay, I'm going to start drinking more. It's now becoming part of my, my, my go-to. Well, I totally fell into the mom wine culture. I was, okay. I, yeah, I welcomed it with open arms. I was, that was always everyone's suggestion as well. When you become a first time mom, 
and you're stressed out or whatever, people are always like, have a glass of wine. Relax with a glass of wine. Whenever you get together with other moms, you're usually getting together and you're having wine or you're having drinks. Um, even if you're re- trying to do something else, if you're supposed to be, you know, a book club, it always ends up turning into a, just you drinking wine or going out to brunch with other moms. It always ends up being a ton of mimosas. So it was just the stress of being a parent and not really knowing how to handle that stress in any other way. Mm-hmm. So I just um, just drank. That was just always my if I was happy, you drink. If you got sad, then you drink. If you were upset, then you drink. That was just always my go-to, my way to escape. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't empathize with that because I'm a father. So it, daddy wine culture <laughs> doesn't necessarily apply. But I do remember early on in having, you know, my first, my first child, you know, decompression at the end of the day, you know, it's important right. for, you mm-hmm. know, for a, a stressing parent. And I mean, I had already been drinking at that point, but I think what, what being a parent did is like, it brought me indoors, like, as opposed to like going out to right. the bars, mm-hmm. you know, I was probably at home with my bottle of wine mm-hmm. more so than at the bar with my you sure. know, beer and whiskey, uh, but certainly didn't help at all. Uh, right. you know, so I so from that standpoint, I can, I can, I can feel where you're coming from. At what point did you start to get to a place where it started to become more than just kind of cultural and more so, okay, this has become habitual now and potentially even problematic? Um, I noticed it at first in 2021, like right after the pandemic started. Um, my, my boyfriend, he did a, he does like dry January every year. Mm-hmm. And when he, when we first got together and he did, um, dry January, I was just like, first of all, I was like, why would you even do that? Why would you stop drinking for a whole month? Like who does that? And so when I, he was doing it, so I wanted to do it too. And it was really hard. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't think it was. I didn't think that not drinking for 30 days was a big deal, but it was like not physically, but like the mental, like the habit, mm-hmm. you know, every day I get off of work, I would go get a bottle of wine and like make dinner and help my son with his homework and do like, it was just the habit of doing it. And so not doing it was just like, I didn't know what else to do with myself. And I just white knuckled the whole 30 days mm-hmm. and on the you know february 1st i got a bottle of wine and i drank a bottle of wine and it just it made me it just washed over me like all these old emotions that i had like i was finally getting rid of like the anxiety and the crappy sleeping and all that stuff and like for and when i thought like 30 days was up it was like a timer and i drank a bottle of wine and it just and and we know what's crazy is i didn't even think of drinking like a glass of wine I was like, mm-hmm. I'm it's 30 days is up and I want to reward myself, quote unquote, and I'm going to drink an entire bottle of wine like an idiot and just make myself feel like crap the next day. Mm. And that's when I was like, this is this is not OK. But that didn't I just kept going. It was like once I started drinking again, it was like a freight train off mm-hmm. and running. Did you did your boyfriend uh, join you in that that bottle of wine or was that more your own personal reward for the for the 30 days? That was just like my own personal thing. Like for him, he's like a he's a quote unquote normie like he can 
drink or not drink like he he's really into whiskey but he likes like the taste of whiskey like he likes the 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 process of how it's made like he's into that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so he has like a bunch of alcohol at his house that he just has like on display and for me that is like there is no way that i could ever do that if I had all those bottles of alcohol, I would just drink them just because they're there. Just because I just have don't have, I don't have the control to stop drinking once I start drinking. Mm. And I don't mean like even in the day. I mean like days after. If I have a, one drink today, then I want to have one drink tomorrow. And I want to have one drink the next day. And then I want to have two drinks the day after that. And then it just, it just slowly built its way back up. After that 30-day break, it was just like it slowly built its way back up. And then after a while, like even after 2021, in 2022, I was like, I'm not going to drink wine anymore because there's so many calories in it. And I'm going to switch to vodka, which is like a terrible idea. (laughs) But, you know, in my in my mind, I was like, I need to I want to be able to not drink as much, but still get drunk. But you know what I mean? Like save, quote unquote, save money. And so I thought like this was me getting it under control. And then, you know, you put all these parameters on yourself. Like I'm not going to drink during the week or I'm only going to drink on the weekend. And then the weekend starts on Thursday and then the weekend starts on Wednesday. And then before you know it, you're drinking on Tuesday night when it's like there's you're not even doing anything. Like I would just be in my in my house with my son. Like, there's no need for me to be taking shots of vodka right now. But, like, that's just what I was doing. It was just yeah, a habit. What were, what were you saying to yourself in those moments when you're, you know, shooting shots of vodka in, in the middle of the, the week with your son being there? I just, I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. But, like, in, but I also knew, like, this was my way to relax. Like, this was, I am a mom. I've done my job, quote unquote, for the day. You know, I've made mm-hmm. dinner. I've my my son's here. He's okay. He's safe. Like this is me rewarding myself. But it wasn't ever. It never just stopped at one reward. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. And it then that's not rewarding myself. And I know that now. But like I I thought that's what I was doing. And so it was always that like battle in my head of like you know that this isn't what you should be doing but then and i was also like well then how else am i going to reward myself at the end of the day so i just had to like figure that out could i ask a question that's kind of like unrelated and maybe a step back in the conversation where if any did you outside of mommy wine culture did you see as an example that alcohol could be used as that wind down or that turn up like what what was it in your past i know you didn't start drinking until later on in your life but had you been exposed to it from that oh, perspective yeah. at a younger I work, age i work and i still work now in restaurant culture okay so restaurant culture is just nothing yeah, but I, drinking everybody's drinking after work everybody's drinking we work the closing shift so yeah. we would like literally get out of work and try to race down to the bar to get there before last call or get to the supermarket to get a bottle of wine before they cut off alcohol sales and just just total everything you do in a restaurant is just wine culture. So I was fully immersed in that. And like even my family, my fa- whenever we get together, it's just everybody's drinking you know it's no one's ever just relaxing if you if we're getting together everyone's like well what are we gonna drink you know what i mean and even now like 
when I don't drink with my family, everyone kind of looks at me like, what do you mean you're not drinking? Or why aren't you drinking? Or when I go out with friends and everyone's drinking at the bar, because I still, I don't go out to the bar as much, but even when I, like around now, it's Halloween time, so everybody's going out. I, I don't drink, and everyone's always will still offer me a drink, or they'll always ask like, or they'll not not necessarily ask why I'm not drinking, but if I'm going to drink, are you drinking? What are you drinking tonight? And I'm always like, just water, or you know, usually kombucha. Kombucha, mm-hmm. I love a good kombucha. So so fast forward back back into into the timeline. So you know you're 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 drinking on a daily basis. You're starting to recognize at least you know deep down that it's not ideal right? You know, you know, you're not, uh, you're not living the life that you, that you want to. What were some of the pivotal moments, you know, in your, you know, kind of early, you know, journey or kind of later stage of drinking that you, you turned to and said, okay, this is a clear sign. I got to stop, um, you know, cause there's no alternative here for me, uh, because things are only going to get worse from here on out. Oh, I had two of those moments. My first moment was, funnily enough, the day I graduated from college. And this was when I was 32. So this is not like an 18. I got my bachelor's degree in 2021. And I wanted to celebrate. And I got so drunk that like the next day when I was supposed to actually go out and celebrate with my friends, I couldn't even get out of bed. And I like woke up with this huge scrape on my leg and um uh i just a whole i just don't even remember the night it was just a terrible night i felt so sick for like days after that i felt so terrible and i just felt i felt terrible because i physically i did not feel good i did not remember even coming home and i drove which is awful Mm. and like even though i live in a small i live in a pretty small town where like just from for me to get from my house to where we were drinking at is just this one street you know there's not even any turns or anything but that doesn't make it okay like i should right. not you shouldn't be driving like that and just i felt like you just feel so shame when you wake up not remembering the night and yeah. so and again i'm from a small town so like if you when i go out to the grocery store there are going to be people that i seen or that seen me at the bar making a fool of myself and that, or maybe I, I mean, I don't know. I don't even remember. So how that's just the worst anxiety of not being able to remember anything. No, make, Yeah. I mean, I, that totally makes it. I mean, I, I live in a smaller town right now and I could gather where you're coming from on, you know, you got to be out and about and, you know, you never know who's watching and, you know, right. it makes a lot of sense. What, what was the second, the second incident that, that kind of, shone a mirror on 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 the situation or a light rather uh my second situation was when i gave up at, when i stopped drinking for this time around was uh new year's day 2023 when i woke up i felt so so terrible like physically i felt awful and i just felt like i could not keep doing this to my body like i could not keep waking up and feeling like this and not being able to do anything and just wasting the whole day because I can't even move, you know, and not being able to take care of my son, which thankfully he was with his dad at the time. So I didn't have to worry about that, but like just not being able to take care of my dog. Like she's, I have a, I have a herding dog and we live in an apartment, so she has to go outside, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's not fair to her to leave her trapped in the house because I don't want to go outside. And 
and then just she's like she's my emotional support dog so she can tell when like i don't feel good and then she doesn't feel good when i don't feel good so i just don't want to put that on her and i just felt like i could not keep this i don't know my brain was my mind was just so messed up i was just not confident in myself not confident in what i was doing I was ashamed of the things that I was doing. Like I just was not being the mother that I could be, the mother that I should be. I was just really giving my son like a real mediocre life that when I knew that I could do better. You know, I'm not I don't I I'm not rich, but I can give him a a pretty good life. You know, I work I work two jobs. Like I can give him a good life. And I was not doing that. And I just was not doing the things that I should be doing. And that's not to say, like, as a mother, you should be doing, you know, so much and 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 that I'm better than other mothers. But like if when you know better, you do better. And I yeah. know better. And I was not doing better at all. I was really I mean, I to excuse my language, but I was doing everything like half ass. I was half assing life. I was just I was doing things to just barely get by to just keep the wheels on. And that's not a way you want to live life. Like you want to flourish in life. And I was not flourishing at all. What about the, these, these two experiences differed for you though, than maybe the handful of other experiences where you woke up with a debilitating hangover. Cause I've also been there where it's like, you know, you kind of have these like multiple like rock bottoms, so to speak, before you get to a place where you're like, okay, I need to make a change. Like, what was it for about these experiences for you that, you know, differentiated them? Oh, what's up, little man? Say hi. <laughs> that differentiated, um, you know, them from the other experiences that you had come into contact with, or did it just get to a point where it was just so undeniable that you know that you had to like listen to the reality of it all i'm just curious well that first time what really woke me up was because i really was that night i was really trying because we were we were supposed to go out on saturday night like to really celebrate so friday night was just like kind of like supposed to be a precursor and i was like i'm just gonna go out and have a couple drinks then i'm gonna come home and i that like legitimately was my plan and that did not happen at all and that's when I was like, this, every time I try to do this, it doesn't work. Like it's repetitive. I kept, I kept trying to moderate and the moderation just was not coming through no matter how many times I tried. And then that last time I had been talking about at the end of 2021, I was, or 2022, I was talking about giving up alcohol for a hundred days because this me giving up alcohol for this long was supposed to just be a hundred day challenge. It was supposed to be okay. me giving up a hundred for a hundred days and like trying like a reset quote unquote, like gotcha. I wanted to reset myself. And so I was talking about that at the end of 2021 or 2022. And I was like, you know, I, in 2023, I'm going to go without. But then when I woke up on January 1st, I was like, this is, I can't, I, this is not something that I can keep doing. And yeah. then it slowly like, I remember that hangover. Like people say you forget the hangovers. Like it, I remember that like it was yesterday and I do not ever want to feel like that ever again. I never want to be in that mental space ever again. I feel like that person is a whole different person. Like I just, it feels like night and day from where I was and I never want to go back there ever again. 
it was, I was in such a dark, not like where I wanted to harm myself or harm anybody else, but like, I, when I grew up, I grew up with my grandfather and he just was always instilled in me to just be confident, to work for yourself, to be hard. And I always had that confidence and I just, it was gone. It was just not there anymore. And I was, I knew what I wanted to do and I just couldn't do it. I, and I tried, I was really trying to do those things that I wanted to do. I was trying to lose the weight. I tried to get into grad school and I got denied. And, and you know, what's so crazy is I, when I look at the application that I used to fill out when I was drinking, it is a terrible application, but in my drunk brain, I thought like, this is good enough because that's what all I was wanted. It was good enough. And to get into grad school, you have to be good. You have to be better than good enough. They're not taking people who are just good enough. And, you know, I stopped drinking and I got into grad school and I'm, I'm in grad school now. And it's just like, if I wanted to do the things that I wanted to do, I could not keep drinking. It was just like, it wasn't working out. It just wasn't happening. And I had tried everything else. You know what I mean? Like I tried the all the diets in the world i had tried all the reading to try to get myself ready for the application and nothing worked the only and i just was like i just have to stop drinking it just has to stop let let me ask you because you talked about your your grandfather and this confidence that he instilled in you and then at some point it was gone do you attribute that to the alcohol or was the alcohol more so a symptom of something else that was already happening in your life and the alcohol just certainly didn't help? Cause I, you know, they talk a lot about, you know, in this, you know, conversation of, of recovery that the alcohol is a symptom, right? To some, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to other things potentially that are underlying issues, underlying um, matters that one needs to address in their own life. I've certainly have done that on my, on my own. And I, and I agree with you, like once you are able to like remove the alcohol, it provides you with a degree of clarity to start pursuing a lot of these mm-hmm. spaces that have gone un, undiagnosed, unresolved. Like what was that the case for you or was alcohol really the culprit that you just, you know, you needed a silver bullet, that thing, and then everything else opened up? Or was it more a matter of, you know, things were kind of touch and go, but alcohol certainly didn't help and almost exacerbated, you know, kind of me being in the, in, moving in the wrong direction. It was definitely that. I, to, um, not to put too much of my business out there, but when I moved to Washington, um, my son's father left, we broke up. And so I was in, I live in Washington state. We moved here from Florida. So I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends. I didn't. So alcohol was my friend. It was, it was who I, who kept me company. You know what I mean? And then once I got friends, you know, while working in the restaurant industry, you know, I'm a kind of, I'm an introverted person. So alcohol helped me loosen up and alcohol was the way that we all connected and how we all, you know, got together and alcohol was like my freedom like when I didn't have when my son goes with his father on the weekend that was my time to be free that's why I thought freedom was I thought freedom was being able to drink as much as I wanted to and and you know be as you know do whatever I wanted and that's what I thought I wanted to do was to get drunk but that's not what freedom was at all that was me being an idiot (laughs) Mm. 
so you so you now you wake up you say i'm not gonna be able to survive a hundred days i have to commit more than that what did that look like for you because i mean that seems like it's a paradigm shift almost in the moment where on the one hand you're talking about taking a reprieve right whereas on the other hand you're talking about abstaining indefinitely maybe mm-hmm. the rest of your life you know if that's what you believe you want to continue to do like how did you start pursuing that what are some of the tools that you turn to in order to fortify you know your your early self in sobriety and some of the things that you turn to even to this day to stay on your path um i use a lot of social media social media has been like has been like my aa like if i need a confidence boost or if i need guidance or hope or anything like that i go to social media and whether that be like on facebook i'm part of this the sober cafe facebook group and it's just uh, everyone in there trying to be sober and it's people from every different step of sobriety people from day one people who have been sober for 30 days people who have been sober for 30 years people who have been sober for years and then have gone back and have come back to sobriety you know, just people of all different walks of life. It has been really good to be able to just have that kind of, my like my tribe, like I found my tribe where I can go there and like flush out whatever it is that I'm feeling and someone's going to be able to talk to me about it and understand where I'm coming from. Um, I use a lot of like Instagram, any of the memes, just hashtag sober, whatever. If you're just looking for just any kind of confidence, um, any type of mm-hmm. advice, just really being on social media, there is a, a group of sober people out there that are willing and ready to rally behind you. And you don't have to know these people. I don't know any of these people in the sober cafe. I maybe know two people that I have brought there personally because I know that these are the things that have helped me. And so if anytime I'm feeling like upset or if I have a if I've got a victory and people are really willing to rally behind me and it could be something so small. And that's something that I really love about that group is we really, we uplift each other on even the smallest things, like being on your day one or like going to a restaurant and being able to get through a restaurant without ordering a drink. Like that's a celebration for all of us. It's really people who are there to really help each other. And I love that. Um, And I just, I try to, some of the best advice I got when I first got sober was to do things that you enjoyed doing when you were a kid like before you started drinking. And so I took that and I ran with it. And so I, when I first got sober, I did so many puzzles, puzzles upon puzzles upon puzzles. And it just, it keeps your mind busy. You can sit into a puzzle for hours because a lot of us have like a witching hour. The You know, right yeah. after work was my witching hour. So after work, I would sit, I would make my son dinner and then I would sit and do a puzzle. And before you know it, it's like nine o'clock and time to go to bed. You know, so you just kind of keep doing things like that. Draw. I walked my dog. I walked my dog so much. I've taken her on so many walks just around our neighborhood. And then after I was like, I'm tired of walking around our neighborhood. I got downloaded the All Trails app and we've walked to so many trails. And Washington is just, Washington State is a a great place for outdoor hiking. So there's a million places to hike. We've hiked at Mount Rainier. We've hiked at the rattlesnake ledge we've hiked so many different parks and you just 
once you find something, you just keep finding things that you like to do and try everything. I'm like, try it all. There's no way. I took a, I'm in ballet. I've never taken ballet a day in my life. Oh, but awesome. they were offering ballet at the dance studio in town. And I was like, I'm going to take ballet. Why not? And I love it. It's so much fun. And there are women there from all different classes who have never taken ballet either. And you just you just keep trying different stuff. And I just that's the way I am now. I just I keep trying. I want to try as much stuff as I can. I love that. You're just kind of putting yourself out there and, and experiencing, you know, a certain degree of novelty and newness. Yeah. You know, and and see, mm-hmm. it sounds like a lot of your a lot of your experiences. I want to touch on a few points, like kind of like larger buckets here. One is do you ever find yourself in in kind of moments where your sobriety is being challenged? Like I also I've also worked in hospitality, uh, you know, in restaurants, in in bars in my in my past, my 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 history. And I know how challenging those environments can be. I can only imagine how challenging they are when you're trying to navigate them soberly. Mm-hmm. Like, is that how do you how do you do that? And do you find yourself constantly coming up against, you know, scenarios where your sobriety is being challenged or is it kind of just all out there and your colleagues have are just supportive and protect your sobriety just as much as you do? Um, I think one odd thing about myself when I don't know if this applies to everybody, but not very many people ask me why I don't drink. And I think Mm. that was like when I was first started getting into sobriety that was like a big thing that people always said, like people always ask me why I stopped drinking and or why I'm not drinking. And no. I've thankfully been around uh, amazing my coworkers. Nobody ever I, I talk about what that I not I don't drink at work. So nobody ever tries to get me to drink or nobody ever asks me why I drink. Um, so I don't really have I I've never really been in a situation where someone's like, why aren't you going to drink? I really kind of. I protect myself from people like that, I guess, so that maybe that's why it hasn't happened to me. Because if Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a particular person in my life that I feel like is that type of person. And so I just don't hang out with that person anymore. I just protect myself from people in situations like that. And if I'm in a situation like that, um, like when I went to a couple last month, we went to go see Beyonce and um, everybody was drinking. Of course, it's a concert and you know, you want to have as much fun as possible because you're going to see Beyonce. And I was, I had that slight feeling of like, I could just have one drink. Like I'm, I'm in Canada. I'm want to see, I'm going to see Beyonce. Like why I could just have one drink, but I didn't. And once the show came on and Beyonce came out on stage, I wasn't even thinking about alcohol. You know, Mm -hmm. I had such a good time at the show. And after I, after the show, I was so happy that I didn't drink because the show was like two and a half hours long and I was already getting sleepy at the end, even though like we were there. So I, I didn't even need, and I remember the whole concert and I had so much fun and I re, I was able to get a lot of it, you know, a lot of it on video and take a lot of pictures and just, I remember the whole thing. And so I always try to use that playing the tape forward tool. Yeah, I always try to use that. I always tell myself, like, if you know it's not going to stop at this one drink and you know this drink isn't going to you're going to feel good for maybe about 20 minutes and then you're going to feel like crap and then you're going to feel like crap tomorrow and then you're mentally going to feel like crap. And it's just going to undo all the things that I have worked so hard in these last 10 months 
to build up. And I don't want something so stupid as alcohol to take that away from me. Yeah. I don't think Beyonce would have wanted that either. No. Mm -mm. Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, 297 days in at this point today, right? So congratulations to you. I think that that's fantastic. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, about motherhood, frankly, and, you know, what it has meant to you and to your son to now continue to pursue your life of sobriety. Like, how has it allowed you to show up in a way that you were not showing up 270, you know, 98 days ago, for example? Um, you know, what does that look like for you? I'm just able to like do more for him. I just took my son to Las Vegas for his birthday. And that was something that like I would not have been able to do. I wouldn't, the mental capacity, I would not have been able to just, the, just the planning, everything that it took to go into planning the whole thing and the traveling and the saving the money and all the stuff that we did so much stuff while we were there. And just, I would not have been able to do that. I wouldn't have been able, I'm able to just be there for him and actually do stuff and like, and, and come through and come through with my word. And like, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm actually, we actually do that. And he, my, before my son has said that before me to me before, like you always say we're going to do stuff and we don't. And that yeah. breaks my heart. Like, because my mother would always say that we were going to do stuff and then she wouldn't come around. And I don't ever want my, I want my son to be able to depend on me no matter what. And I feel like he can now and he does now. Like he's always able to call me no matter what. I want him to always be able to depend on me. And I, and he can now, you know what I mean? Like if it's a friend's birthday and I've got the money for a, you know, a birthday gift or whatever the case may be. Or if it's school pictures or whatever's going on at school, there's always some, they need $20 for something all the time at school. And so I've always got the money for that. Like, I'm always able to just come through. And I know that, like, you know, kids, they don't need a lot of stuff, but they want a lot of stuff. And, like, that's just part of being a kid, you know. And I don't want him to have to go without just because I want to drink. Like that's not that's not a reason for him to not have a new pair of shoes or not be able to go to a friend's birthday party or have a new bike or something. Like, like that's not an excuse for him to not have those memories because I want to drink. Yeah. I think also, I mean, you know, it yes, all of those things are important. I I I feel the same way when I think about, you know, my kids. But also just at like a fundamental like basic level, like your kids just want you to be present. To be right? there, they right. Want, they want you to be there. And I think that that's something that is, it, even in some of the most like new, like seemingly like, you know, seemingly like easily passing moments that I experience with my kids that are just are so small, right. but I recognize it in the mm -hmm. moment that I'm there. And then I get this like warm feeling in my chest mm -hmm. um, is, is, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for the world. And, and it sounds like you're getting a lot of that with your son too. Cause you said he's nine, right? Yeah. So he, he's, he's, he's not a baby necessarily right. anymore. And he, you know, and he can experience life as his own, like actualized little mm -hmm. person. So, yeah, and I know sense. that like those times of him like wanting to be 
around his mom and stuff are are gonna be gone i always say like one day he's gonna go into his room and he's not gonna come out you know what i mean and they're just that's just what kids do and you can't i i want to be able to i want to soak up all the time that i can while he still wants to be a mommy's boy you know what i mean i still i wanted him to sleep with me for as long as he can because i know one day he's gonna want to sleep in his own bed and one day he's gonna want to hang around with his own friends so I just want to be able, I want to soak up as much of that as possible because he's my only child and I'm not having any more kids. So this is just, I want to get as much out of it as I can. And now we just, we're able to do like so many things. Like we watched the Haunted Mansion together the mm-hmm. other day and just laughing at things. Like when our my dog's acting crazy and she's got the zoomies and we're both, we're all just laughing, like just core memories like that. And we go camping. I know it, as people of color, there's very, almost nobody. And when we go camping, we are usually the only black people there. And mm-hmm. I'm, and I glamp, like I bring on my whole house, pack <laughs> it up in my car and bring it all with me to the campsite and just making s'mores and all the core memories. And I want to be able to do all that stuff and not like have one night of us camping of having a good time and then I get drunk and then the next day I don't want to do anything or go to the beach or do it or you go anywhere because I'm hungover and that's not fair. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And you know, I was just making some s'mores this past weekend. So I know exactly what you're talking about when you're out there, you are like the only one out there. Right. You know, of, of color making s'mores, but you know, those are core memories. You know what I mean? Your child will never forget right. that. And I think that that's such a special gift that you're giving to him and to yourself. Yeah. And we've just been able to see like so many places that I'm from again, from a small town. So like we didn't really go very many places. And so I've just been able to take my son to see so many things that I didn't get to see when I was a kid. We went, when we camped, we went to Cape disappointment which is the place where Lewis and Clark found the West and they have like a whole Lewis and Clark interpretation center. And just, it's a beautiful place. It's so pretty. And there's so many lighthouses and just being able to see, I'm a history nerd. So I'm just like, I try to put history into everything that we do. And so just being able, him being able to see that and, and he probably doesn't understand it, but just being able to know that he was there and, and experience it. it was just, it's, things that I, I know that he'll remember. And I take always take pictures when we go and I always get them printed out. And so like in my living room is like a shrine of all the places that we have been. And I just want him to be able to remember those. And I want to add, keep adding to that. I love that. He's, I, I, I'm sure that he will look back on these or these days and have, you know, a lot of fine memories. Sounds like that you're creating for him, which is, you know, a great place to be in, you know, considering where, where you come from. Uh, I have a question and I know that you have, you know, your, your own podcast, right. Um, mm-hmm. which is, and I actually listened to, to a little bit, um, of it before, uh, before we came on. So, so what are you reading podcast mm-hmm. is the name of it. And I'm curious, first of all, tell me a little bit, tell the audience a little bit about what the podcast is. And then I have a question specific to the podcast and sobriety. Um, the So What Are You Reading podcast is a book recommendation podcast that I host with my um, best friend, Alicia. We um, we talk about history, uh, history related topics, book, any kind of book related topic. And then we also interview other book readers. Um, it's ter- really turned into interviewing a lot of indie book authors, which is really cool. And then just talking to just book lovers in general. 
of what do you what are you reading where do you get your books where'd you get your love of reading just having a conversation about books in general it's it really started with me and my best friend we always talk about books what what we're reading and if you ever listen to our podcast we talk about books as if they are real life happenings so we're always just like and then he did this and can you believe that happened and so it just always it it turned it up turned into i was like we should put this we should make a podcast out of this and uh my boyfriend he records um music he's a music producer like as a, a side profession and so he knew like all the stuff to get and i was like we're just gonna do it and we just re- we just put it together and it's been so much fun how long have you been doing it now a little bit over a year cool Congratulations. I mean, putting, you know, creating and putting something out there into the world is, you know, it's not a a simple feat. So, you know, I appreciate you for for putting your your foot out there and and stepping into that space. It's pretty cool. I was going to ask you, being that you are critiquing, sounds like you're a voracious reader, was Quitlet part of like your early recovery did you read a lot of books in the in the 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 vein of sobriety or is that not where you kind of get motivated when it comes to to reading no i didn't really read any quitlet um i've heard i've there's a i have a quite of i have two quitlet books on my tbr list that i do want to read um the unexpected joys of being sober um I do want to read that and I want to le- read uh, This Naked Mind because everybody always recommends that book. And so yeah. I just, I, I listened to her podcast or I've listened to a couple of them and I've watched a couple of her videos on YouTube and she is very informative. And, um, and the, the way that people react to her book is always really funny. And you're like, can you believe that alcohol does this to people? I did not know. And then she like really yeah. breaks it down. So I, but I didn't really read any Quitlet. Yeah. Uh, that is actually a really good one. I read that um, as part of my my early sobriety days. Uh, just curious though, because I feel like that is so much of like an emerging genre when it comes mm-hmm. to like you know literature sp- yeah. specifically. Um, at some point in the in the coming months, I want to start having more authors on this show mm-hmm. of color who have kind of written their either own memoirs or their own kind of um you know literature around this space and what it means for for folks of color so yeah, that's let's make sure idea. that we stay connected down the mm-hmm. line there might be there might be some crossover there between yeah, for sure. your world and uh and my world um i think it's just an interesting space uh speaking of uh the joys of sobriety what were some of the unexpected um upsides to sobriety uh, that you've experienced that maybe you didn't even think about when you were first looking at this as maybe just being a hundred day, uh, you know, kind of hiatus and then it turned into something much more. Um, I think my biggest unexpected takeaway was just how much easier life got, like life in general, like just everything in general got so much easier. I was just living life on hard mode. I was making, everything was so much harder. I was making everything so much harder for myself. Even when I was getting my bachelor's degree, I would always, you know, come home and have a bottle of wine and say, I'm going to stay up and do my homework. And of course I didn't ever stay up to do my homework. And I would have to end up waking up at five in the morning to try to get my homework done before class. And now I get in grad school, I get my homework done. I'm responding back in discussions. I'm reading everything that I need to read beforehand. Um, my mind is just, I can't believe how much clearer my mind is. Like I'm able to like see a task and get it done. 
and in and my anxiety doesn't hold me back. My anxiety when I was drinking was so debilitating. It was just like when I was getting my bachelor's degree, I couldn't even open my computer because I couldn't. It, the thought of having to sit down and, and write a paper and find the sources and do just all the work of thinking of having to do that was terrifying to me. And I knew that I, if I really sat down and did it, I can do it. But like my brain, my brain, when I was drinking, just the the thought of having to do that, I just couldn't even think about it. And now I'm just I just wrote a five page paper the other day, six sources, bibliography, like did it in the night before, came back to it, edited it. And like it wasn't easy, but it wasn't hard. Like I was just able to just look at a task and get it done. And that's been so much. It's not life isn't as fearful as i thought it was as i thought it was before i was always like waiting for the other shoe to drop i was always waiting for like doom and gloom i always saw like something terrible it's this like things have been going really well for a long time something terrible is bound to happen like that was always my mentality and now i just don't feel like that anymore and i feel and i just you know what's been really surprising my ability to like cut things off my i was so emotionally like i would feel bad for doing things like cutting people off or stopping doing now i'm just like if i don't want to do it i just don't do it anymore if i don't want to deal with somebody i just don't deal with them anymore i don't let things drive me crazy i don't internalize things as much as i used to i just roll with the punches and i just don't let things get to me I really try to just keep moving. If if I and not like I'm a robot where I don't care about I'm not like an emotionless person, but I just do not let things I it's something I try to tell my son like you live in your moment for a minute and then you move on. Like you can't just dwell in the past and I was a big dweller. I was always dwelling on like what I could have done, what I should have done, what I don't even remember doing and just right. like I just don't do that anymore. I like this happened. It sucks. I move on. I just don't let things get to me like that anymore. I love that. I mean, there's something about, um, and, and, and you just stumbled upon on this, right? It's not like you mm-hmm. were actively pursuing this mentality. No, um, not at all. Sobriety. Yeah. When I That's stopped awesome. drinking, and- my main focus to stop drinking was number one to lose weight, which is so vain. But I wanted to lose weight because I was working out and I wasn't losing weight and that was driving me crazy. But like my second focus was just like to stop my life was like a roller coaster. Like it was always up and down. Something was always happening. It was always so chaotic. And I just wanted that to stop. I was like, I just want to live a regular, quiet, boring life. And like, that's what I live now. And I love it. I love my quiet life now. I love just like waking up and not that it's boring because I'm always doing something different. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, when the weekend comes, like I'm going on a different hike or when it's warm outside, I do a lot of paddle boarding or when, um, you know, I take my dog for different walks or we just went to this um, event called the night circus, which was a circus and a circus that everybody got together over this book. And like, this is things and that just going to that cost a hundred dollars. 
And that's something that I wouldn't have even been able to afford to go to. And I had so much fun there. I had such a good time. And I didn't drink. And everybody else was drinking. And that's been another good thing. Like, I I love being a sober person in a sea of drunk people. Just watching everybody (laughs) and just being like, I can't believe I used to do that to myself. And just that's something that's been so reassuring to me. Like, when I see people like that, I'm like, you I'm so happy I'm not you and I'm not not to say that like to knock anybody who drinks because if you drink and you can handle it or if you drink and you can't handle it that's your life and that's something I always tell people like my drinking my not drinking is my thing it has nothing to do with anybody else I can still hang out with people that drink I just don't drink it's just I just don't want to do that anymore yeah I seeing people drink is one thing knowing how they feel the next day is right. also another thing mm-hmm. right to know that like i don't i don't have to like worry about what you're going to feel like tomorrow um makes me feel pretty good about yeah. the decisions that i'm making for myself uh i got two more questions for you as we kind of round this this conversation out uh one is and I'm curious what your response is going to be to this, because it sounds like you are kind of out on your own and for the most part uh, in Washington state when you are coming upon your your real problematic drinking days. But the one question that I, that I have is when you are really, really struggling, how would someone have around you have known that you're struggling if you didn't tell them explicitly? Um, I think they nobody would have known. Nobody would have, I kept it until, I don't think it would have gotten, nobody would have known it until it was like bad enough to where like the law was probably involved. Cause I just, I don't really talk to anybody. My son's father lives in, like 45 minutes away. So he's not over here. So until something happened to where like, it's where the law got involved was where it would have been. And I didn't want it to get that way. I didn't want yeah. to like crash my car or and then even even when you crash your car it when it's your first DUI like you can figure a way out of it you know what I mean and and you mm-hmm. can make it so that you can be like well I I'll just get another car and kind of move on from that but like someone's going to ask why you crashed your car no you know what I mean like the the government's going to know but like in my f- circle of family and friends, they're going to want to know, like, why I don't have a car anymore. And, you know, like, why does Robert need a ride here? Didn't you have a car? You know what I mean? Like, I ha- I'm going to have to explain that to someone. And people are going to, even if you lie, people are going to figure it out. And yeah. so I just had to, I get- like, I had to stop before it got to where the law was going to get involved. No, I, I hear you on that. And I guess that makes, actually, I'll add one additional question into this this roundout. Now that, so, you know, you, you obviously, you know, were kind of on a solo mission, you know, so to speak, in pursuing your sobriety. Now that you are sober, and for the folks that, you know, who are maybe relatively close to you, um, are they surprised now that you are sober, that you felt as though that you had an issue large enough for yourself mm-hmm. that you needed to pursue sobriety? Yeah. Is that something that they're kind of like taken aback by? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody is, everybody was genuinely surprised when I told them that I wasn't going to drink anymore because they were like, 
I mean, why? I just graduated from college in 2021. Like, people are like, why would you? You just graduated from college. Like, why would you stop drinking? You don't, it doesn't seem like you have a problem. Like, you work, I work two jobs. I work seven days a week for like eight months out of the year. And people are always like, I mean, how, how do you, if you have a drinking problem, like, how do you work every single day? And how do you, and it's like, I just force myself to do it. And, you know, this season going through, um, this last summer working through and when I wasn't drinking the easiest season ever like I didn't even have to write things down orders I could remember everything I remembered when people asked me for things instead of them having to ask me 10 times for a cup of ranch I could just remember when they (laughs) asked me for something I remember to bring them stuff I you know I'm like I'm able to I was able to cover for shifts and like but you know I I would work seven days a week and before you know it, it would be like I had worked 45 days in a row and I wouldn't even notice it. And not to say like that's I wouldn't recommend other people doing that. But like when I was drinking, that would put such a toll on my body. Like by the end, by maybe three weeks in, I would be like, I need to sleep for an entire day or I'm going to pass out. But now it's just like yeah. it doesn't even bother me anymore. I have way I have so much more energy because I just am not beating myself. My body's not working overtime to try to heal up all the damage I'm doing to it all the time. Yeah. I mean, it it is pretty remarkable how um, abusive, you know, that substance is on the body. I mean, just from the inside out, Yeah, just it's corrosive. Uh, Last question I have for you is, so for someone who's sitting there, you know, maybe listening to this, maybe just, you know, you know, listening to another podcast or at a point in their life where they're starting to evaluate their own relationship with alcohol and saying to themselves, I need to do something differently this time around. Uh, but I don't necessarily know what to do. What would you suggest to that person? I would suggest trying every single option that you have. If A doesn't work, try something else. If that doesn't work, try something else. Just keep trying don't give up there is a way to get sober you just have to figure out your way and everybody's way is different you know some people are like i can't do it alone but i did it alone and some people are like i you know i have to be in aa or i have to do this you just keep trying don't give up you just have to keep and and try Every minute, don't look at, I feel like a lot of people, when they stop drinking, they think of like forever and you just can't think about forever. Mm -hmm. You have to just think about today, think about what's in front of you right now. And that helps me a lot as well. I don't think about not drinking forever because you might not, you're not going to be alive forever. You might not be alive 10 years from now. So you're thinking about something that might not even happen. You just have to think about right now and think about like, do you want to be able to remember and and look back at a life that you could be proud of? And that's I want to be yeah. able to remember my life and remember the things that I do. And you just have to keep trying. Even if you, you know, I've I'm in the sober cafe, there's people who are like, "I just I'll get a week and I just and I start drinking, I just can't." And you just have to keep trying. You will get it. You will start to stack your days. Your days will start to stack up. You just have to keep trying and don't look so much at the number. I think a lot of people focus on the number, but 
if you get 10 days and drink and then one day, you know, you do drink, you don't, that one day doesn't cancel out the 10 days that you've been sober. So you just keep trying. That's my best advice to anybody. Don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. You know, the world is going to give up on you. You cannot give up on yourself. That's my, I always say that to my son. You can't give up on yourself. There is no, nobody is going to do for you. My grandfather used to say this to me. Nobody is going to do for you the way you do for yourself. So it doesn't matter if you have a, a support system or not. You have to want it and you have to do it. And you just cannot give up on yourself. I love that. Don't give up on yourself. And, you know, sometimes that's, you know, it's easier said sometimes than mm-hmm. done, surely. But I feel as though there are enough examples out there that you can look to to say they didn't give up on themselves and look where they are today. I'm not going to give up on myself and I'm going to find my way. Um, I think that's extremely powerful. Uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for spending some time today to sit down and chat with me about your journey. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I apologize for all the chaos in my background. <laughs> it's it's all good. We 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 live in a chaotic world, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? We're just trying to trying to make sense of it all half the time. Um but let's let's stay in contact. Uh I'll I'll certainly shoot you know. Oh, before we leave, could you just let people know where they can find you? I want to make sure that if they if you know, we got some uh some bookies on our on our in our audience here that they can uh, find your podcast. Oh yeah, well, I'm at the, we are at the So What Are You Reading podcast on Instagram. We are at the So What Are You Reading podcast on Facebook. Um, you can find the So What Are You Reading podcast on all platforms: Apple, um, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, all the good stuff. Um, and if you want to be a guest on the show, you if you go to our Instagram, there is our link tree in there. It'll bring you to the questionnaire, and you could be a guest on the show. And anybody is. I'm welcome to be a guest. If you've read one book, you're a book reader and we are welcome to be a guest on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Stephanie. Appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate you guys listening to the Stacking Days podcast. I hope this episode added value to your recovery and wellness journey. Before we go our separate ways, let's connect on social. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Stacking Days or via the website www.stackingdays.com. By supporting the show, you can play a direct role in amplifying people of color in their pursuit of recovery. The easiest way to do that is to subscribe or hit the follow button. This way, you'll never miss an episode, all while playing an active part in creating the ecosystem where diverse voices and healing matter. This show is for the purpose of education and connection and is not a replacement for therapy or recovery care. For more information on the resources and support available, take a look at SAMHSA and some other resources shared in the description. Until we meet again, be well one day at a time.